top of page 102, uh, it says, Charlotte is tasting the logic of Luther's curious exhortation, sin boldly. Step out, live life, and yet always be open to correction. Don't let scrupulosity paralyze action. God's mercies are reliably new every morning. Um, what do you guys think about that as I prepare to share with you this explanation of Martin Luther's uh, famous or infamous quote I actually hadn't heard that before so that was kind of refreshing um, what do you th yeah that's great I, I'm, can you share just what you think that might mean yeah well I was like what sin boldly? Because I yeah. think I, you know, I, um, I thought like sinning was not sinning was more important than like yeah, um, I don't know, like trying to be like more open and open to change and improving. Because I guess like it's only by mistakes that you may improve, but it's like if you try your hardest not to make those mistakes in the first place <laughs> you know yeah what's so. the uh what would you say is the opposite of not sinning perfect right and and so our our aim in life oftentimes in, in the christian life in not sinning is yeah, it's a false aim yeah it, it's essentially it's perfectionism mm -hmm. and that's what leads uh, like gradually scru scrupulosity where it's like why even tr why even try right um when that was never really the goal where you achieve perfection through attempting to achieve perfection rather than perfection being something that's promised to you at the end at right. the end of your story rather than during this progress during this day-to-day process that's messy and that's what he says it's it's lurching forward not not the straight march uphill um right so if that's all we're waiting yeah. for then why even try to be well behaved or anything like that at all why if, why if, if we're just wait, waiting for perfection at the next yeah. life then why even try to be that in this life yeah yeah that's a good question um let me share with you this quote where luther says Essentially, sin boldly. I mean, that's it, that's one way to translate it. But here's um, the context of that, and then it, and this probably overlaps with you know what Dan, Daniel just asked, and that's a really important question. So it's in the bold here. Um, my my history professor back in seminary, he happened to have an article on this. So um, so let me read this. If you are a preacher of this is Luther speaking. If you are a preacher of mercy. Do not preach an imaginary but the true mercy. If the mercy is true, you must therefore bear the true, not an imaginary sin. God does not save those who are only imaginary sinners. Be a sinner and let your sins be strong or sin boldly. That's the, where the German gets translated into English. But let your trust in Christ be stronger and rejoice in Christ, who is the victor over sin, death, and the world. We will commit sins while we are here, for this life is not a place where justice resides. 
We, however, says Peter, in 2 Peter 3.13, are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where justice will reign. It suffices that through God's glory we have recognized the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. No sin can separate us from Him, even if we were to kill or commit adultery thousands of times each day. Do you think such an exalted Lamb paid merely a small price with a meager sacrifice for our sins? Pray hard, for you are quite a sinner. He's saying, uh, in a sense, uh, if I were to scroll back up here, uh, if you minimize, if you try to minimize the fact that you are a sinner and that tomorrow, even as you try to be perfect, as your Heavenly Father is perfect, you will fail. If you minimize that, you will minimize the mercy of God. But to the degree that you acknowledge that that flesh is still a part of you, that infinite capacity to sin apart from the grace of God is still a part, a very much a part of your identity now, uh, then that will cause you to rejoice even more in Christ who overcomes the sin that is in you. And uh, we will, he says, it suffices that through God's glory, we have recognized the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. There, there will be this uh, daily enjoyment and delight in recognizing the glory of God in the Lamb of God. The glory of God in His mercy. The glory of God in His constant forgiveness and His kindness and His faithfulness towards me. How do I, how do I recognize that? Through my constant repentance and acknowledgement of how I just failed uh, this hour. How I just failed um, this morning. To the degree that we are living life boldly, stepping out into life boldly, we will recognize more clearly our need of our Savior. But if you are simply uh, tiptoeing around and minimizing our interaction in life to therefore, you know, try to sustain some fake picture of perfectionism, we will minimize the glory of God and the mercy of God. So, so step out, live life. Um, and you will sin. Of course you will fail, but understand that you have this great Lamb of God who paid not a small price, but a great price for you. And so pray hard and, and cling to Him who is stronger than your sins. So that's the context of that, that little phrase, sin boldly, um, that I think, even though there is a risk at misunderstanding it, you know, uh, Kind of what Paul said, you know, um, uh, should we continue on sinning that grace may abound by no means, right? It, sometimes people misconstrue the quote to, to be saying that. But I think it's worth keeping and actually repeating because um, I think as Christians, we do tend more towards performancism, meaning... Uh, basing our identity not on the mercy of God and what Christ has achieved for us, but more on how am I doing today? Yeah, how well am I doing at not sinning today? That's who I am. That's all that I kind of amount to God at the end of the day, when that's not at all the gospel. Um, so, are you afraid of sinning? You know, in a sense, Luther is saying, you know, don't be, because you will. <laughs> Um, but 
just look to the look to your Savior who is who is stronger than your sins. Okay, do you have any reactions or questions to that or follow up to that, Daniel? Because I I was hoping that would kind of answer or overlap with what you asked just before we got into the quote. Yeah, I actually wasn't going to ask that, but I was going to ask someone something else, but um, I ended up asking that. Yeah, but, but did, uh, did that make sense in terms of you know if we are yeah. looking for perfection? Or, or we're waiting for completion. Right. Why? Why does it matter? That I, we... I think. I think in my in my life of, I guess, struggling with this and that. Like I feel like, you know, it used to be like, you know, like you said, trying to strive to be perfect. But then I feel like, you know, after many years, I ended up just kind of being the other way around, where I'm just like, well, you know, maybe, maybe I don't. I don't need a. Yeah, and then I kind of go the other. You know, swing the pendulum the other way where I'm just like I'm just going to do whatever I want say whatever I want um, try to be kind of true to myself and you know rather than trying to yeah. keep up a front but I feel like that's also kind of not what it's saying I should do so do you sense how what Luther is saying is and if you were to if you were to do what Luther was urging us to do that's actually being more like most true to yourself in a sense. Would you agree with that, or, or do you see that? To sin more, or to just be more acknowledging of our sin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, isn't that our true self? I mean, if I'm really being true to myself, like, like. Like so often, I feel like I have to censor myself when I'm with people from church because I feel like I can't say what I want to say, or, or or even like you know on 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 you know I was talking to you about you know when I was pretty upset over different things you know sometimes yeah. I just want to you know rant or yeah. vent on social media and I'm like yeah I know if I say certain things it's just not going to end well but yeah so it's kind of frustrating not being able to feeling like I have to censor myself, but then how do I sin boldly without coming off the wrong way? Well, isn't, yeah, go ahead. Like, isn't another way that I've understood this is basically like, instead of being, you know, going into a monastery and, you know, not being of the world, like, I guess instead of sitting boldly just means like, be of the world, be in the world. Not that you should try to sin, but like, yeah. be of the world. And then, you know, that puts you at risk of sinning the more you're exposed to the world. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 that, and that's correct. That's a really good point. And along with that, uh, the, the other thing, the other side to this, Daniel, is when you hold back from saying something because how it may offend someone, how it may trigger someone, how it may cause all kinds of negative feelings in someone, and so you refrain as an act of kindness to them, that's also you being true to yourself. But at the moment, I don't want to be kind. <laughs> but, but you choose to be. you withheld. Because and, of how I'm, I would be perceived, right? Sure, sure. 
And so, so then that can maybe open up a new layer. Okay, I only did that because of another side of my fear of man. Yeah. And, and, and there, there, that's just something different to repent of, but, but still yeah. that leads us to... But I'm saying the, the being true to yourself part, uh, it, it, it's not just one-sided. It's not simply when we sin. It's also when the Spirit wills in us and works in us to obey, to restrain the, the sinful nature uh, that's just as true. Actually, that's more human. That's actually more Christ-like and therefore more human. Um, and we don't have to deny somehow that part of us as, you know, that's not really who I am. No, that's actually the truer part of who you are. And the sin part is really the fake part and the and the, illus- the delusional part of who we are. That's where we lose our sense of identity. And so being true to yourself doesn't, right? But at the same time, because we are of the flesh, right? Although, like, our life is hidden with Christ in heaven, as it says in Colossians, because we're still in the flesh, uh, we will truly sin. We will truly fail at times. Uh, But like Han said, that's seen more as a natural part of stepping out into reality and being a child. Being being a a little child that that John says we are in in, in 1 John. Uh, Little children, you know. keep, Keep away from idols. But, I mean... When, when have you ever told a little child to stay away from something and they've actually stayed away, you know? Um, so, I mean, I tell my kids to stay away from things all the time, knowing that's just what kids do. They don't stay away. And, 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 they, and they're intuitively okay with that. I'm okay with that as a parent. And, and yeah, when my kids disobey me and, and not stay away from, you know, my iPad. <laughs> They do that quite boldly, you know, um, and and through that through that encounter, through that experience of disobedience, repentance, forgiveness, grace from the Father, they grow. They grow in their character, and they also grow in their understanding that my Father still forgives me and loves me. And that's our life. That's how we grow. That's how we experience and taste on this side of heaven. Um, the the sweetness of God and the and the and the goodness of God, and uh, it takes this takes us then to to the other part of the, about this where um, uh, the Christian life is then something that we are live uh, together, um, we share in this experience, and my experience of God, my struggle with in growing, and um, my failures even, really help me minister to other people who are struggling and suffering the same things. And that's what he gets into in the final chapter. Um, so let's let's go there. Um, we can go to page 109 and, and start there. Um, so let's start with 109. Uh, the, the, the one thing that I hope that we will really take away from this book that if, if we remember one thing from this book, and that this is why you know Daniel, you're you're really getting the the full experience by joining this particular meeting. Because even if you haven't read all the book, if you get this point, you can pretty much say you've read the book. I feel, I feel like I'm always the the twelfth hour or like the eleventh hour. Eleventh, twelfth hour. That's that's too late. Eleventh, <laughs> eleventh hour. Um. 
Yeah, but you know? this is this is really it. This is like it. So he says it first at the very top of page 109. It's easy to view sanctification as a moral self-improvement project. It's easy to think that God's goal is just to make me a better individual than I am now. I hope this short book has disabused you of that notion. Okay? Um, now, go down to the next paragraph where he says, The goal of sanctification is not a better happier, more confident individual. Not exactly. Okay, now he's saying the same thing just in different ways. And that's what a lot of times what a good counselor does. And then he gives you this, this scripture from 2 Corinthians 1. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. And then listen to what he says. When you find hope and encouragement in your troubles. The comfort doesn't land with you just feeling better. Okay? The comfort doesn't land with you just feeling better. That's not the goal. You now have riches to bring to others in whatever troubles they experience. Their welfare and yours have joined hands. The well-being of others increasingly matters as you become a participating member of Christ's body, brothers and sisters in our Father's family. Sanctification is making you into a person who is connected, wedded, and joined to Jesus Christ and all the other people whose center of gravity is shifting outside themselves. Okay, He's talking about the goal of sanctification here. This is it. Okay, And he said it... Um, Repeatedly, but he's saying the same thing. It's not about making you better or making you feel better or more, feel more confident as a Christian. It's about connecting you to the rest of the body of Christ. It's equipping you through your affliction, minister to those who are afflicted. You are beloved so that you are able to love, to give your life away for others. You don't become a self-confident individual. Okay? I think the number one misconception people have about sanctification is this. That being sanctified means you become a more confident Christian. It's not that. It's not that. Okay? Your life might be stressful. You serve the King and Savior who died at age 33. And His service is not always convenient. It puts you out of your comfort zone. It strips away all the illusions that we can control people and events. You are becoming a person whose confidence rests outside yourself in God. Okay. Uh, let me put up the next page. Yeah. Outside yourself in God, a person whose life purpose is Christ's purpose of redeeming love. Okay. Um, that's what I meant by, if you don't remember anything else, Please try to remember this about this book. What sanctification is not. It's not about you becoming a more confident Christian all on your own and feeling good about yourself. But it's about you being joined to the purpose of Christ and that is serving others and sacrificing yourself for others the way Christ sacrificed himself for us. And the, the way that B.B. Warfield and his quote gets into is, is all about the beauty of self-sacrifice and how that really is a better and more complete picture of our sanctification uh, 
than, than anything else. It's, it's, I mean, we, know, we have always known, and this is what I meant earlier when I said it's profound, but it's like we've heard this before. Because if I tell you sanctification is about becoming more like Christ, you'd be like, yeah, duh. But what, what's really profound is really gra- grasping the fact that becoming more like Christ means we have to become more sacrificial and not so self-absorbed. Meaning, becoming more like Christ is thinking less about how am I doing as a Christian. It's thinking less about, you know, am I really being sanctified? You know, am I really making good progress here? Am I becoming like those other Christians who are really impressive? It's forgetting about all that and thinking about others, others in light of Christ. So, so B.B. Warfield, he, there's some really, really powerful things he says here. Um, he talks about how Christ was led by his love for others into the world to forget himself in the needs of others, to sacrifice once for all upon the altar of sympathy. Uh, self-sacrifice brought Christ into the world. And self-sacrifice will lead us, his followers, not away from, but into the midst of men. Into the midst of men. Um, Wherever men suffer, there, there will we be to comfort. Wherever men strive, there will we be to help. Wherever men fail, there will we be to uplift. Wherever men succeed, there will we be to rejoice. Self-sacrifice means not indifference to our times and our fellows, it means absorption in them. It means forget, forgetfulness of self in others. It means entering into every man's hopes and fears, longings, and dis- despairs. And I was like, man, what a, what, a pat, what a quote excerpt for the season we're in right now, when there are so many ways we can be absorbed in um, the needs and the, the fears and the longings and the despairs of others, right? Um, and then in the next page, I don't think I have this screenshot, but he says, it means not that we should live one life, but a thousand lives. But a thousand lives. Binding ourselves to a thousand souls by the filaments of soul, loving a sympathy that their lives become ours. It means that all the experiences of men shall smite our souls and shall beat and batter these stubborn hearts of ours into fitness for their heavenly home. That's what happens on this side of heaven. While we wait for, long for that day, we become beaten and battered to, to be more fit for our heavenly home together. And it is, after all, then, the path to the highest possible development, by which alone we can be made truly men. Okay? Uh, why is it so tough? Why is it so hard? Why is it so painful? So much afflictions. I mean, we are reaching for a very, very high place. I mean, we're, God, is, God is making us fitting for a very, very high place. And, and that development process, this discipleship, this sanctification, therefore will look more like Christ, not less like Him. His life. Um, and and the, the power to live that way resides in not only the Holy Spirit living inside of us, but us living inside in the church us living inside others, others' lives, to the degree that we are connected to others and step out and risk, right, all the things that, you know, Charlotte was talking about, to the degree that we risk that and step in and get connected, uh, securing God's love, that's the degree to which we will realize our purpose, life will feel meaningful, purposeful, and we'll be driven to 
live a self-forgetful and Christ-imitating life in the lives of others. Um, so, uh, in the last paragraph there, Paulison says, uh, you are finding yourself, well, no, actually before that he says, um, perhaps the most dramatic evidence of headway in sanctification is that you no longer think so much about yourself. <laughs> You're starting to do better when you are not preoccupied with how well am I doing. You're finding yourself when you lose yourself and worry less about who you are. A sinner forgiven, a sufferer sheltered, a saint in process. Your welfare is in inextricable from our welfare together. We are one in Christ. We are heading home. We will see his face and all will be made well. 